Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Lord, isn't it good to be in God's house? If it's, uh, it is commitment card Sunday, so if you brought your commitment cards, make sure you drop those off tonight uh, on your way out. Um, and then don't forget this week is also our sowing seed towards our 2023. If God spoke to you, be faithful in that. Let's put a big seed in the ground, a gift towards Jesus, towards next year. Why don't you stand on your feet, though? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you and praise you for this time. Open up our hearts to receive your word. Your word is manna. It's practical. It becomes part of who we are. Your word is also seed planted deep in the good soil of our hearts and produces life in us, changes us. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Teach us what we need to know. Prepare us for what is coming in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Tonight I want to talk to you about getting clarity for the vision. I want to talk to you about seeing, seeing the victory until you conceive the victory. We have in us our heart. It's a gift from God. And it is a spiritual, eternal device that can produce the things of God. If we plant and see the right things, it can conceive in our heart, and then we bring it forth by faith. And sometimes a miracle just happens because our mustard seed was ready. Boom, it just goes. But there are times when we pray and we pray and we pray for things, and we're not seeing something happening. And what I want to give you tonight is a secret. See the victory. See the victory before it happens. See the blessing before it comes. See the success. I might ask you a question. What does next week look like for you? Or what does next year look like for you? And a lot of people would say, I don't know. I don't know what's coming. And what I'm saying to you is let's see next week before it happens. Let's see next year. I believe that next year is going to be a year of success. Let's see what success looks like. Begin to picture what blessing looks like. Let's, let's picture that next year is going to be a year of health. I declare in the name of Jesus over this congregation that next year will be a year of abundance. It will be a year of prosperity. Let's see what does that look like. Your businesses are, are going to succeed. Your relationships are going to succeed and develop. You're going to see change in your life, and your prayer life is going to start coming together better. Come on, somebody. What I'm saying is, is we got to start to see it, and not just see it, but see it with clarity. See it with so much clarity that we begin to feel it. When David faced the giant Goliath, he had already seen the victory. The Bible doesn't say that God gave him a vision of the victory, but we do know that he was seeing it. And so tonight I want to talk about, let's just use our imagination for a second, shall we? He had seen somehow, planned it out, what it was, how it was going to go down. Because he says to the giant with great confidence, right before he knocks the giant down, he goes, I'm going to knock you down. I'm paraphrasing. I'm going to knock you down, I'm going to cut off your head, and then I'm going to feed your body to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. The wild animal is going to eat you, and they're also going to eat all your buddies. And then, he said, and then the whole assembly that is watching this is going to know that God doesn't save with swords and spears, but the battle is the Lord's. That's what David says. He didn't get up there wondering how it was going to happen. No, he had a picture, a clear picture of how it was going to happen. He saw it, and he saw it with so much clarity that he had confidence in it. I imagine that when his, his brother Eliab was putting him down and insulting him, he was already seeing the victory, trying to get that picture in his mind. I don't think for a second that David didn't experience a moment of fear when he thought about fighting that giant. I'm sure that he felt fear. 
But by the time he stepped up, you don't see any fear. Why? Because he had seen himself winning so many times. He had pictured it so clearly and was with such clarity that he stood up there with confidence knowing that he would win. We can do the same thing. We can see the victory. And, it, and you can see that it changed how he felt. And he not just saw the victory, but he saw what would happen after he won. He, he saw that here's what's going to happen after I win. Even the army is going to be defeated. Right. He had a picture of, of the win and then what's going to happen after I win. And we need to have a picture of what's going to happen after we have victory. When you pray, maybe you pray, Father, I'm gonna, I want to be a, an author. I'm going to write a book. I want to be a best-selling author. Okay. What does that look like? How many books is best-selling? Have a clear image of what that looks like. And what will you do with that influence once you become a best-seller? And what will you do after that book is, is successful? Are you, are you going to write another book? Have a plan and a clear picture of what life looks like after, after your business is successful. You say, Father, I want a successful business. Okay, well, what does that look like? Get a clear picture and a clear image of what success in your business looks like. And what will you do after it's successful? Have a clear image of that. Imagine it. What are you going to do when the doctor tells you you no longer have cancer? What is that meeting going to look like? What are you going to do afterwards? I, I talked to a woman once. She said, I, she said this to me. She goes, after I'm healed of my cancer, I'm going to write a book. This is a really cool thing. I want you to know what. About a year later, she got healed of her cancer, and now she's written a book, and she's on her second book right now. What? She had a plan for what happened after she won. She could see the victory. What will life look like after that baby is born healthy and strong, the one that you've been praying and believing God for? Have you seen the image? Have you, have you been to the hospital room in your mind and saw the uh, easy delivery? And have you seen you holding that baby in your arms? Have a clear picture. The problem, I think, sometimes is, is that we pray, Lord, I need a house. Okay, well, what kind of house? How many bedrooms does it have? Have you seen it? Have you moved into it in your mind? It might not play out exactly the way that you want it to play out, but you're developing confidence and an expectation. You're taking hope and you're seeing it until it becomes confidence. My wife had a list for what she was looking for in a spouse. She had to have that picture. She had to see it. I don't think she pictured a short musician, but she got everything else she wanted. Could somebody say amen? Good father, good husband, chases her to the ends of the earth, works hard. You've got to have a clear picture and see it. And it might not play out exactly the way you see it, but you have that expectation. You're turning your hope into substance. Imagine yourself. I mean, you might be imagining the wrong things. People imagine themselves failing. They picture what it's going to look like when they're defeated. They see themselves as failures, or they see themselves as lower than, you know, low self-esteem, insecurity. You might see, oh, I don't know if my marriage is going to make it. So you start to plan. You start to see as though, what am I going to do after I'm divorced? What I'm saying is, is stop that. Don't see the defeat. When you see the negative things and you see the defeated things, you find yourself hopeless. You find yourself negative. You find yourself moving in the wrong direction. What I'm saying is, is to picture suddenly my marriage is going to get turned around. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I see the fire coming back into the romance. I see it coming. I see that we're going to have a godly marriage next year. Come on, somebody. Start picturing that. Conceive it in your heart. Have a clear image. Abraham in Genesis chapter 13 and verse 14. 
God visits him and says this, Lift up your eyes now and look. Now that word look is the Hebrew word see. See, it's the Hebrew word ra'ah. Say ra'ah. Look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west. For all the land which you see, that's that word again, ra'ah. For all the land which you ra'ah, I give to you. If you can see it, I can give it to you. Now Abraham, and it says this, and I give it to your descendants forever. Now Abraham, he didn't just use his physical eyes when he saw this. He used his spiritual eyes. And this word see, ra'ah, is so much bigger than just physical seeing. Romans chapter 4 says that Abraham would be heir of the universe. It uses the Greek word cosmos, which means he decided in this moment not just to see Israel, but he decided in this moment to see it all. He used his spiritual eyes to see way beyond what his physical eyes could see. Ra'ah actually is a huge definition of a word. I did like a screen capture just to show you the definition behind me on the screen. Because it's pages and pages, this word ra'ah that means. Not all Hebrew words are like this, but this one is pages and pages of definition of terms. I can give you just a few. To procure for oneself, to be provided, imagined, to vision, symbolically and physically. The, the, the Hebrew name that we have for God, Jehovah Jireh. You ever heard that one? The Lord who provides. In Hebrew, you would pronounce it Yahweh Yira. And that word Yira is, is the pronoun he, which is ye, and ra, which is this word, see, ra, ye ra, Yahweh Yira. The Lord, he sees. But the word sees there, we interpret it as provides. Because when you see the way God sees, you start to create provision. And God says, listen, this is who I am. I'm Jehovah Jireh, but I made you in my likeness and image. I want you to start seeing the way I see. Don't see the lack, see the provision. Come on, somebody. Begin to get a clear image of what God is going to do in your life. Get a scripture for what you're praying for and visualize that thing. Use your imagination. <laughs> and then look at what it says. It says, I'm going to give you this land to you and your descendants forever. Watch what God does. Watch the picture he's painting right now for you. Abraham doesn't have any descendants. That's his current project, right, is to have a kid. He's going to spend 25 years trying to have a kid. He's going to have to learn how to see something. And God takes him out to show him stars in the sky and says, I want you to see this. What's he trying to do? Get him a picture that he's going to have descendants. But watch this. He says, hey, look at the land I'm going to give you. This land is for you and your descendants. In other words, God's saying, I'm already past the victory of you having a kid. I'm looking for where they're going to live after you have a kid. But what I'm saying is, is, don't just see the victory. Start to see what life's going to look like after you have the victory. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand clap. In Exodus chapter 25, God does the same thing for Moses. He says, see to it to Moses. See to it that you make the tabernacle according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. How did God show it to him? Was it in writing? No, it was his spiritual eyes he showed it to him in a vision this is what it's going to look like and it was great detail and god says be sure you follow the detail i need you to get this right and he was showing us a picture that god god's vision for us that we see with the things that we see have the ability to be conceived in the heart but god was showing us that moses could not build the tabernacle until he first conceived it in the e eternal realm he had to birth it on the inside of him, conceive it and birth it and bring it forth by faith. And so he showed it to him in a great detail. 
And the detail was like, okay, here's the fabric you're going to use. And this is how big the curtains are going to be. And this is the size of the Ark of the Covenant. And this is how you're going to engrave it. And there's some utensils I need you to make the lampstand. And everything had all this detail, the material to use, how big it was going to be, what it would look like. It was this great pattern that he showed them for how to build the tabernacle. That painting of the picture that he gave him created confidence because if somebody came to him and said, Moses, we don't know how to make the Ark of the Covenant, he'd be like, well, I do. And he had it with confidence. He didn't have to go back to God and say, well, I forgot how to do this. No, he had conceived it in his heart. He knew what to do. And sometimes we walk through this life timid because we don't know what to do. But what I'm saying is that we might not know what to do because we haven't seen it yet in the eternal realm. Because when you see things with clarity, now listen to me, when you see things with clarity, the, the offspring of clarity is confidence. David had confidence because he had clarity. Moses had confidence because he had clarity. Abraham had confidence because he had clarity. How do you get to clarity? You take the vision and you keep seeing it and seeing it till the details start to emerge. That means it takes some time. And then what are you doing? You're conceiving it. Clarity has an offspring named confidence. I went to get a root canal the other day. Tuesday, root canal, I know. Young people, I have two words for you. Floss. That's a deep joke. It's, it's actually, I just gave you one word. It was two words. Okay. So there I am in the chair, and, and they're bringing all their tools in and stuff. You know, and if you've never had a root canal, it's a very invasive procedure. It's one of the most troublesome procedures you can go through with your teeth. And, and, and they pry open your mouth with this vice, and ah, and then you've got people's hands digging around. They've got a drill spinning with a diamond bit on it. They're like, Woo! there's a lot of things that could go wrong here. But as I laid back, I looked, and there was this huge TV, and it had my teeth on it. And I go, it would be nice if you could put a movie on that TV, because it was right there. And he goes, well, I can. I was like, he goes, what movie would you like to see? I said, I'd like to see Star Wars A New Hope. He goes, okay. He loads up his Disney Plus, puts on, this, I'm serious, this is what's happening. Puts on Star Wars A New Hope. I'm watching the movie. Like, I'm in it, too. Like, I'm in the movie, because I love Star Wars. Where's my Star Wars fans? Not the new stuff. The old stuff. So, you guys know what I'm talking about, too. I mean, I'm in it. Like, I'm searching for the droids, and, you know, Leia's locked up in prison, and she's been sentenced to death, and I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm like, it's like, I'm really in it. And all of a sudden, I hear the guy go, okay, we're done. Let's rinse them out. It was over, and I realized I didn't feel a thing. I was whisked away into some magical place while I watched a movie because what I'm seeing takes precedence over what I'm in. And sometimes you're in a mess, you need to start seeing things differently because when you see it differently, you ever watch these Hallmark Christmas movies? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah us guys, we don't admit to it, but we're, we're, <laughs> let's just, let's be honest now. So there you're watching it and you get all misty. You're like, you're like, you don't want your wife to look at you right now. Why do you get emotional watching a movie? It's because your subconscious actually doesn't know what to do with the images it's seeing. It's not sure if it's real or not. That's true. Your subconscious will, will create, because you can watch a movie, you'll have emotions, but you also even have physiological changes. Your heart rate could increase, your breathing could change, you, you, could, you could scream when something jumps at you on the screen. It's funny, something jumps out on the screen, you're, ah! you're like, why, why did I scream? Like, obviously, this is not real. Why did you jump? Because your subconscious doesn't know that it's not real. 
This is a gift from God because you can imagine things in your mind and play out movies in your mind and you can impact your emotions and even your body. Even your body can be changed by what you're picturing in your mind. It's a gift from God. In the same way we should be imagining and picturing the right things. Dr. Cho, Dr. Yang Yi Cho, who built the largest church in the world, he had a million people in his church, he said this, he did it through seeing. In his book called The Fourth Dimension, in chapter one, he talks about this. He says, you must see, I'm quoting, your objective or your vision or the scripture that you're praying. You must see your prayer so vividly and graphically that you can feel it in your emotions. See it until it changes how you feel. If it hasn't changed how you feel yet, then you haven't prayed it through yet. That's what I call praying it through. You keep praying and seeing that thing until suddenly there's a shift in your emotions. You're like, oh, I felt that. What is that feeling? You should pray it until you feel it, until you, you can taste it, until you can touch it, until you can, I can smell it. What's that smell? That's the smell of victory. Come on, somebody. You, you want to you wanna see it until you, because, because what? Because it was hope, but it became substance. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you want to get your hope to substance, the, the bridge is to see the victory before it happens and see it so clearly and with such clarity that it starts to change how you feel. It impacts your emotions. Maybe you're believing God for a raise. Okay, how much? Now, he may not do exactly what you, what you plan out, but remember, you're, you're planning it out anyways. You're playing out every detail that you can. You're seeing it with clarity. Because why? Because it's changing your expectations. God, is, God may give you more than you, even, than you even prayed for. Somebody say amen. He can do more than you ask, think, dream, or imagine. Can I get somebody to say amen? But if you're expecting that's never going to happen, or if you never get to a place where you are expecting anything is going to happen, it won't. What will you do with the money after you get the raise? Maybe you're believing God for your knees to be healed. I said to a lady I was praying for her and her knees, and it didn't manifest right away. Sometimes it does, but this time it didn't. And I said to her, okay, here's what I want you to do. What do you love doing that you would need your knees for? She said, I love hiking. I said, okay, well, then I want you to see yourself hiking all the time, over and over again. I want you to see it. See yourself in the morning and in the evening. I'm hiking. I'm going out hiking. because This is what I'm going to do after my knees get healed. I'm going to go hiking. I said, set out your hiking shoes. Do you have, like, hiking shoes? She goes, yeah, I got some really nice hiking shoes. I said, set them out so that you walk by them all the time. Wouldn't you know it, about a month later, she was back to her hiking. Come on, somebody. Because that miracle conceived in her heart, and she was able to bring it forth by faith. My first grandchild is coming in, yeah, any day now. That's true. Yeah, I know. Thank you for applauding that. I'm kind of excited. We don't know when because you just never know when it's going to happen. But we're, I might, my money is on December 23rd. That's what I'm, yeah, and I'm thinking girl. We don't know. We don't know if it's a boy or girl, but we, it's my daughter-in-law, Kenzie, and my son, Christian. And uh, last September, you know, in 2021, they were pregnant, and she miscarried. She told, me, she told me I could tell this story because uh, I asked her and I honored her that way. She said, yeah, tell the story. She miscarried and it was devastating. You know, it's devastating. They had already announced it to everyone. Was, and then you see people you haven't seen and they don't know yet. And then they say, well, you know, how are you doing? And then you have to tell a person the same story, you know, all these different people the same story over and over again. It's tough. But they muscled through it. I was so proud of them. They came through it with great grace and and, but then they started trying to have a kid again, and it just wasn't happening month after month after month. Nothing was happening. But 
in January, they said, come over and see, we started the baby room. And me and Kelly were like, you started the baby room? Is there something you want to tell us? And they said, no, no, we're not pregnant yet. We're just starting the baby room. They began to paint the walls and plan it all out. What had happened in her is that she had been seeing it, seeing herself holding a baby, seeing herself pregnant, seeing herself with a positive pregnancy test in her prayer life. She had seen it so much that she, had to, she, she was compelled to begin to plan for it. As she began to plan for that baby by March, she was pregnant. Come on, somebody. It's kind of a cool story, too. She came to church in, in, on, a, on a Sunday in March, and Christian Pruitt, her brother-in-law, Katie's husband, came over to her and prophesied and said, God is growing life on the inside of you. He didn't really even know what he meant, but he said it. And she, she thought to herself, I'm going to go home and take it. She, she woke up that morning feeling pregnant, too. You know, women can tell. You know, you know something's changed. You don't, yeah, the tests haven't told you yet, but you're like, hmm. I don't know. I've never felt pregnant, but this is what I hear. And if I do, I'll tell you. It'll be weird. <laughs> She's, hmm. And then, and then here comes this word, so she ran home. Because when you're trying to get pregnant over and over again, you kind of don't want to take the pregnancy test because of that disappointing feeling that you have. But she was excited this time. She went home and, and took that pregnancy test, and she was pregnant. And then, here we go, baby on the way. Woo! And so maybe you've been praying for a baby. You know, it's important to have a scripture. Exodus 23 and verse 26 says, None shall be barren in the land. None will be barren in this house. If you've been praying and believing God and expect for a baby, I'm praying over you right now that in the name of Jesus, that in this house, in this church, we stand on the word of God that says there will be none barren among us in Jesus' name. That baby's coming, Lord Jesus. Now begin to picture it. Picture it clearly. What's it going to be like holding that baby? How are you going to feel when that happens? How are you going to feel when you do the, 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 the announcement to all the people and telling them that you're pregnant? How are you going to feel when the doctor does the first ultrasound? Go through it in your mind and picture it. You might say, well, pastor, it's just been taking so long. And sometimes it does take long. I tell you, sometimes I pray and believe God and it happens instantly. Sometimes I pray for people and I'm just like, you know, lay hands on them. They're like, boop, I'm healed, you know. Other times, I find that it doesn't happen right away. We see it with Jesus, too. You know, the crippled man gets up, and the, you know, the hearing comes, and the blind eyes open. And it just happens instantly. But then sometimes these great people of faith, like David, who was anointed to be king, but then he has to wait until he's 30 before it happens. Like Abraham, who waits 25 years before he gets that promised child. Sometimes it doesn't happen right away. And when it doesn't happen right away, this is the key I'm giving you. Is start to see it with clarity. Begin to picture it in your prayer life that it's coming. There's a story of an elephant and a cat. Now, a cat can give birth in 65 days. Gestation period of a cat is 65 days. They'll give birth to five kittens, you know, a litter of kittens. An elephant will be pregnant for 22 months. It gives birth to one elephant. Well, the cat looks at the elephant and is like, you know, hey, I've had five litters of kittens, and you still haven't even had one baby. You ever do that? You see all these people doing all these things and everything's happening for everybody but you? You might feel like that elephant where the cat just keeps producing litter after litter and you're like, well, what's my, my baby coming? I don't mean just a baby. I mean, it could be a business. It could be a blessing that you're praying for. It could be your healing. It could be a lot of things that you're waiting on God for. And it's just not happening. And there could be a hundred million reasons why. Can I just tell you that right now? No preacher can get up here and tell you there's one reason why you're not getting your miracle. It could be a hundred million reasons why. But there you are where you have all these people in the Bible who also had to wait. Now you got to wait. Now you're waiting. Now what are you going to do? 
And so like that, that elephant, you could start to be like, Why? when's it going to happen for me? How come it happens for everybody but me? Don't go there in your mind. Be like the elephant because the cat looks at the elephant and says, how come you're not having anything? And you say, well, might, you might be having a lot more than me, but what I'm working on is much bigger. See, what you have on, what Abraham, see, when Sarah couldn't have a kid and then her, her maidservant just pops out a kid, no problem, and probably all the other people in her household are having kids, the people that worked in, in their household are probably having kids, and she's just not having a kid. She could be, but you know what? She was working on something much bigger. Come on, somebody. She was going to have the promised child, Isaac. Just say, I'm just working on something a little bigger, that's all. Mine's going to take a little longer because it's just bigger. But I also ask, have you imagined it? Have you taken the time to get a scripture and really get clarity of the image of what it's going to look like after you win? Imagine the victory. Do you know the word for the color blue is not found in ancient languages? This is interesting. You're going to Google this later on and it's really going to startle you. There's no word for the color blue in any ancient language before the 1800s. They didn't have the word blue. You can go back and read Greek and Rome and all these ancient writings. They described green, they described red, but no blue. They didn't even have a word in their language for that color. Only the Egyptians and the Hebrews had a word for blue. So one guy who set out to try and figure out this, and he found some languages still today that don't have the word blue in them. And he went to, to these peoples that didn't have the word blue in their language, and he showed them 12 squares. One square was blue and the other 11 squares were green. And he asked them to tell them if they could see which one was different. And what's immediately clear to you and I's eyes, we'd be like, well, that one's blue and the rest are green. They couldn't see the difference. Very few of them could see, well, that one looks a little different to me. They couldn't distinguish blue from green. And so the science kind of looks at this and says, if you haven't named something, you really can't see it or recognize it yet. And so just think about if I showed you a picture of 100 faces right now, but you didn't know a single face on there, you would just see a bunch of faces and you'd walk away and it would mean nothing to you. But if you saw one face that was there that had a name to you, you're like, well, that's Ted right there. I recognize him. That's my father. That's my, my friend. That's my friend Ted. You could walk away. You, you would be drawn immediately to Ted. You would forget all the other faces. A week from now, I could ask you about that photo and you'd be like, I can't remember any detail about anyone except for Ted. The reason you can remember the details is because Ted has a name and you can describe what Ted looks like and you can see him. So when you name something, you, you create a differentiation, a discernment, a distinguishment, the ability to recognize it. And so here's the thing. The doctor calls you in the office and says, listen, you have this chronic illness. Here's what you have, and this is what it's called, and he gives it a name. And then everybody starts to paint an image of what that looks like in our minds, right? We say, well, this is what it looks like. And the doctor says, here's what the next three months looks like, and here's what the treatment looks like, and let me walk you through this. And so he gives you and he paints an image for you of what your future looks like. But here's the problem. I love doctors. I'm so grateful for doctors. But here's the problem for the doctor and for you is that the doctor doesn't know the, the color blue. What I mean is, is he doesn't have a name for the God of miracles in his mind. He doesn't have a different name. So what you've got to do is you have to take and assign a scripture and rename what you're going through with a scripture that says, I will not die. I will live. 
and I will declare the works of God. Now I just gave it the color blue, so now I can recognize. So the journey that was going to be a journey of suffering is now repainted as a journey of victory and of healing and of God moving through my life because I'm going to give it a new name. And I'm not giving it just any name. I'm giving it the Word of God. And the Word of God is the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. So that Scripture has authority over the sickness. Now watch this. Because the scripture I just gave you is testifying as witness in the courtroom of this sermon. And it's giving evidence that what I'm saying is true. Because it says this. It says, I'm seeing the victory. I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. And then it says this. And here's what I'm going to do after I win. I'm going to declare the works of my God. Do you see it? We got to see with clarity the scripture, the promise. Picture it until we see it. Until it changes how we feel and gives us confidence in that moment in that prayer that we might conceive it in our heart and bring it forth by faith give the lord some praise right now in jesus name i just if did you receive something today i just encourage you be generous help partner with us and help help get this message across to the rest of the world I want to ask everyone a question tonight. If you were to face eternity tonight, do you know what eternity looks like for you and would you have peace with Father God? Here's the good news. God has already offered the free gift of eternal life to anyone who will believe. You can know before you leave tonight where you will spend your eternity. It's just a decision of what you're going to believe. It's not about even how you act or what you're going to do. It's about what you're going to believe. You might say, well, what do I have to believe? Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to earth, died for your sins, rose from the dead. Make him your Lord. Make him king in your life. And you can know where your eternity will be spent. I'm just going to say a prayer. Repeat after me. Mean it in your heart. You can be saved. Dear Father God, forgive me of all my sins. And Jesus, I believe in you. You're the Son of God who died for sin rose from the dead. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.